Hipster Bricks by Denver Day. The Cost of Doing Business. The Price of Egalitarianism in the 21st Century. Or It Takes Money to Make Money. Number 32. Chelsea was working industriously on one of my typewriters and I left her to it as I left for the Londoner about 10 in the morning. What's my man's name? I asked her. Doesn't matter. They're all expecting you. Management-wise, she said. But our friend yesterday was Marion, or you can call him Jack. I'll look for you this evening around about 8. Some of the cleaning from the previous day's business was evidently part of the daily rigmarola. I walked in the front door and found an office with an open door eventually. Somewhere in the middle of the house. I told the black-shirted white shirt that Marianne had told me to come in and asked what there was to do in the back of the house. And there was some bar back and some kitchen. And some barkeep was the answer. He got up and showed me where the clean bar towels could be found. Gave me a bar tool. Led me around behind the same countertop at which I had sat the day before. Showed me how the register worked. Tips are pooled plus stipends as they are warranted, he said, and he strolled off. I didn't catch his name. In America, it is not easy to forget how badly drunk are such a huge population of the overall inhabitants because of the advertising saturation and because of the presence of all the drunk people. There's reminders. But working at a bar is still eye-opening even for the most jaded of fatalists. I mean, not all bar patrons are drunks, although there are plenty of those, of course, but it, it's simply the ambiance of alcohol. It's a dirty business by association. Full stop. Not only did I deliver pizza at an all-night pizza place during college, but I also worked another restaurant service position, such as, which had provided me with the fundamentals to help me with shift work at the Londoner as a, a, a grown adult in my neighborhood in Denver. Come lunch, came a nice stream of people at the egress I was staffed, where, where I was staffed, briskly enough, that the time passed pretty fast. All in all, it was amicable, good crowd of people who simply were gathering as the night as they might, in good faith, be a part of the discourse of life. You know, there would be friends made and problems rooted out and enemies made and problems started. The muse was here, and here I was. Marion I did not see that day. A reliever came around my bar at about six. I balanced out my register, bagged up the revenue, tallied my tip jars, and went to the office where I settled up with the chief. <clears throat> Same guy from the morning. I walked with $250, ate at the dinner, diner nearby, and went home and showered off all the public house off my skin as best as I could. At the diner, I made friends with a lady working there, and we discussed the merits of tattoos and agreed to shop for new ones together on the following day. As I showered and waited for her Chelsea to come poking around, I thought about my role, which I had sort of inherited from Julie. I'd been a sidekick to her and her position as comic enforcer. Karmic. It was also clear to me that Julie liked the two the tattoo lady way more than she liked Red Chelsea, who was sweet enough, but would not serve as an appropriate legacy to Julie's station. Maybe she would. Anyway, 
when you have an ally like Julie, institutionally speaking, whose position is transcendental and pure, and as such one's actions in support of that allies are necessarily right action, then one's position is quite enviable or auspicious and is on a lay line of truth and power. I found myself here, but it gave me new responsibilities that changed my moxie. You might argue that it made things less safe, but philosophically I would have to disagree. On the contrary, in fact, truth and right action is safer than its absence. In a grander scale of things, anyway, Julie had exemplified that quite well. Look where it got her, ultimately. Enlightenment. Transcendental being. Lifetime dedicated staff and recruiters. Permanently free room and board. Red Chelsea walked in without knocking. If you want to take the day shift again tomorrow, you're welcome to it. Or if you prefer, you can work the closing shift, she said. Son. Hello, Red, I said. My second workplace boss. I'll accept the title, but of course you owe me, she said, sincerely. Yes, I know, I said. We went back to the diner to draw on napkins and play cards. I watched my fellow patrons and everybody else with a countenance slightly different than mine used to be. There was a vigilance for justice, I felt, which previously had only been an undefined itch. My new friend with the itch for tattoos was no longer on shift. 